Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So this will be a fun one. We've got Liz Wheeler, the host of the Liz Wheeler show on my show. Liz is a friend. She's smart on everything. So we're going to get her take on this most recent Trump indictment. Of course, he's been indicted again, this time out of Fulton County, Georgia, charged with 13 counts. Uh, 19 people have been charged in this. We're going to get her take on, you know, does she think Trump can win a general election? What does this all mean for him? Also, Joe Biden hasn't really been campaigning. Is he going to be the Democrat nominee? I want to get her take on that. But most importantly, we're going to talk about her new book, Hide Your Children. It talks about these attacks that we're seeing on children from the left. She identifies those groups, identifies the attacks, and then also lays out a groundwork for what we can do about it. So we're going to talk to her about her new book that is out in September, but you can get it on pre-order called Hide Your Children. Here's Liz Wheeler, host of The Liz Wheeler Show. Stay tuned. Well, Liz, it's great to have you on the show. You've got a new book out, which I'm looking forward to getting into. So I appreciate you making the time. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. You know, we're in obviously a pretty crazy time as a country, I think, is putting it lightly. Trump's now indicted again in a different state, Fulton County, Georgia, charged with 13 counts, 19 people have been charged. Can he win a general election? Listen, I think that this increases his chances. I mean, I think I had a similar reaction to a lot of Americans. I have not yet picked a team in the Republican primary. I don't know which candidate I'm going to vote for to be the Republican nominee. I like to wait until we've seen the debates and we've seen how some of the early caucuses and primaries go. I haven't, I know some people, especially on Twitter have already picked sides, but this makes me much more likely to be on Trump's team. I had this visceral reaction when this indictment came down because Lisa, it's so unjust. It's, I mean, we taught, we use the phrase often the weaponization of the justice system. And I mean, It's almost like that phrase has become belittled or watered down because it's been happening so often. But this particular indictment um, gave me a visceral visceral reaction differently than the other ones because the allegations are so absurd. They are claiming that he committed some kind of conspiracy to overturn uh, an election, a Democratic election, because he tweeted that people should watch a television channel 
because he rented rooms at the Capitol because he wants people to participate in the democratic process, go to legislative hearings. I mean, you almost can't make this stuff up except this precedent to criminalize free speech has been the precedent that the left has been trying to establish through the FBI, through the Department of Justice, through the prosecution of January 6th defendants for the last two or three years. And it's scary, Lisa, because the progression is not just going to be coming after Trump. It's going to be coming after Trump, then coming after everyone associated with Trump, then coming after anyone who ever talked about or supported Trump, then coming after any conservative who ever said anything that the left doesn't like. It is the beginning of the criminalization of any of our dissent. So I agree with everything you just said, except for that it helps him in a general election. This is what concerns me the most is even though that we know it's complete BS and we are aware of what the Department of Justice is doing and what Fulton County, Georgia is doing and what they're doing in New York City. I just don't think that independents see it that way. I think they do think he's corrupt. And so I do worry. And then you've also got the fact that, you know, he's having to spend his campaign money on legal fees. And so what's going to be left in a general election for advertising and for actually winning an election. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, it's a big concern of mine. You could be right on that. I suppose I mean it. I suppose I should, I should amend my statement and say, I think it makes him more likely to be the Republican nominee. I don't know how it will impact the general election yet. We don't even know if he's going to be in jail, right? They could, they could have pretrial detention. They could try to put him in prison. I don't know how that plays out in a general election, but for the purpose of the Republican primary, I think it does make him more likely to be the nominee. It's crazy what's happening in the country. Uh, it's almost like you're, you're almost in disbelief at it. You know, this doesn't seem like America anymore. Do you think Joe Biden is going to be the Democrat nominee? I mean, he's, he's not campaigning. He doesn't seem to even care. You know, we saw his response about Hawaii and it was callous, you know, no comment while he's on vacation. What's your sense? Is he going to be the nominee? I think so. If you'd asked me this question six months ago, I would have had a different answer. I thought they were teeing up Gavin Newsom to be his heir apparent because Gavin Newsom had proved just how far leftist he was by how he's handled California, how he's run California into the ground, how, how tyrannical he acted during COVID. But now I don't, I don't think that they're necessarily going to do that. I think Joe Biden might be the nominee. This campaigning that he's not doing this summer is exactly the kind of campaigning he didn't do in 2020. And I know they, they said, oh, he's campaigning from his basement because he's elderly. He's vulnerable. It's COVID, yada, yada, yada. But this is exactly what he did in 2020. And it worked because their strategy wasn't to win public opinion. Their strategy was to rig election rules and laws and procedure to do ballot harvesting and universal mail-in ballots and degradation of signature verification and all targeted recruitment of different pockets of people who they thought would vote their way. That was really how they won in 2020. And the Republicans haven't made any visible effort or at least demonstrated that they're effectively competing in that area with Democrats. That's one of the reasons I think we lost in 2022. Republicans had won public opinion on many issues, from inflation to Biden's botched withdrawal of Afghanistan to social issues like critical race theory and trans ideology, even abortion, if you look at if you, if you ignore the pundits and just look at the, the polls and the surveys. But the reason we lost in 2022 was because we didn't even try to compete with early voting. We didn't try to compete during election season because we prefer election day. And I think the Biden administration is counting on that for 2024 because we're now a year and just a couple of months shy of this election. It would be awfully hard for Republicans to 
catch up to the Democrat apparatus at this point. The Democrats have had a decade to build this up almost, and Republicans are just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. So yes, at this point, I think Biden will be the nominee because I think he's counting on winning, counting on using electioneering strategies. Yeah, I mean, to your point, he might feel like he doesn't even have to to lift a finger. You know, I mean, I do worry about abortion in the sense of, uh, and I and I hate admitting this because I'm pro life, and I've actually, as I've gotten older, I, I don't even believe in exceptions anymore because you know, life is a life. But I do worry that I am extremely far to the right than the rest of the country on this issue, and I do think it turns out women as disgusting as that is. Well, I think the surveys show that the vast majority of Americans, this is men and women, liberals and conservatives, pro-lifers and people who identify as pro-choice, want abortion banned in the third trimester. They, the vast majority of Americans also want abortion banned in the second trimester. It's the left that takes this really extreme position of abortion for any reason up until the moment of birth. That is out of step with the American public. But we, ha- we as conservatives and Republicans, thanks to the consultant class, who's been scaring political candidates and elected officials away from talking about abortion. We've just surrendered the narrative on abortion. And the left has effectively taken the word abortion and rebranded it. No longer when voters think about abortion, do they think about, well, what is it? What does it do? What are the implications of abortion? Instead, the left has made people think when they, when they hear the word abortion, they think miscarriage ectopic pregnancy, OBGYN care, rape, incest, life of the mother. They don't think about the vast, vast, vast majority of cases of what abortion does to a human baby, what abortion does to the mother of this baby. Um, And I think Republicans, if we are going to be able to effectively use state laws or states to change laws on abortion, we have to compete for the narrative first. We're not doing that. So Maybe you feel that you're out of step with with the American public. You feel you're far to the right simply because public opinion right now is being pulled so far to the left by extremists who themselves are out of step with what most Americans think. Yeah, I do agree with you that we don't do a great job messaging it and and talking about how morbid it is. But, you know, I I wonder even if, you know, Susan B. Anthony or List or a group like that, if they even try to go up with advertising, explaining the process, they they probably would be denied. Uh, the ability to do so. I don't know. Or th- think about what Donald Trump did. Think about what Donald Trump did in that last presidential debate before the 2016 election. He was up on stage with Hillary Clinton and he's talking to her about abortion. And she's saying like, oh, I believe I'm pro-choice. I believe in a woman's right to make a decision. And late-term abortions happen rarely and women are in tough decisions. And he goes, I do not support ripping a baby limb from limb from the mother's womb the day before birth. And I, it it was funny because I lived in California at the time and my hairstylist was a leftist. And she literally told me after that debate, she's like, I couldn't, I was going to vote for Hillary Clinton and I couldn't, she's like, I didn't vote for Donald Trump, but I couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. I just didn't vote at all because that position is so extreme. And I didn't realize the reality of what her position was until I heard Donald Trump say that you have to be savage. I mean, we know this already. You have to be based. You have to be savage, including, and I'm I'm not talking about you and I, I think, I think you and I are pretty based and pretty savage. I'm talking about elected, elected officials. I'm talking about politicians have to be unafraid to say these things. And I think if they did, it would turn out differently. No, that's a really good point. And then also, I think when you talk to a lot of these people, when I push back on on folks, they don't understand that when you talk about rape, incest, life of the mother, all these things that Democrats try to make it seem like this is the main emphasis of abortions, it's like less than 1%. You know, like the, the va- almost all of abortions are elected. You know, they're elective. They're just because someone decides, you know what, I don't want to be a mom. Like, you know, 
I'm going to end it. That's the vast majority of them. So, you know, even that doesn't really get out there that much. Even in late-term abortions, late-term abortions, the left always likes to portray late-term abortions as being, oh, there were serious fetal abnormalities. There was a risk to the life of the mother because we all are sympathetic for of all of those, you know, medical issues. But that's not true. If you look at even surveys by the Guttmacher Institute, which is associated with Planned Parenthood, the largest abortion business in the country, the reason that women get late-term abortions is still elective. It's because they didn't realize they were pregnant or they couldn't decide in the first two trimesters or they didn't, they decided that it's going to impede their economic economic or educational opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. It's all elective reasons, even for late-term abortions. That's really horrifying to people when they realize it. It's just, it's an uncomfortable topic to talk about, right? I mean, even pro-lifers, even conservatives, even religious folks, it's not our favorite topic to talk about. I actually don't even like talking about it, except I feel an obligation to stand up for the voiceless because it's so grotesque. I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach to think of what's being done to these babies on a daily basis. But, and so a lot of people shy away because it's uncomfortable, but the the cost of shying away is that the left has been able to prey on, especially middle-class suburban women and say like, Hey, you won't get the ectopic pregnancy care that you need. If you have a miscarriage, you might not be able, you might, your doctor might decline to treat you because they'll be worried about being prosecuted. These horrible lies that just prey on women's fears and Conservatives are just allowing the left to manipulate women. It's awful. No, it's very well said. And they've also convinced young women that somehow, you know, it's a right and to completely to not account for the fact that you're talking about, you know, human life. So they've just they've reduced it to, you know, a clump of cells and, and dehumanized it intentionally. Let's take a quick commercial break. More with Liz Wheeler. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television Today, here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture, and a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. We're talking about children right now, the life of children. Uh, your new book is called Hide Your Children. And having written it and done all the research, what should parents be the most concerned about? Yeah, this book I've been working on for a while. I've been working on it for about a year and a half. And I didn't I didn't tell anybody for about a year because one of my pet peeves is when people announce a book and then I'm all excited about it. And I go to Amazon to buy it and it's not available for like nine or 10 months. And I'm like, okay, I wanted to read this now, not next year. So I kept the book a secret for a while and only announced it last month so that uh, it comes out in September. So people can pre-order it now and it'll be in their mailboxes in just a couple weeks. It's called Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. And it started out for me as just a question that I had, like a lot of parents have across the country. I think a lot of us during COVID, you know, look over our children's shoulders on Zoom school and see these horrible things, critical race theory, trans ideology, being poured into our children's minds via the school system. And a lot of parents were shocked about that because they didn't realize it had gotten that extreme. And so it seemed to me that it would, this, this attack on our children's minds was more of a concerted effort than it had been ever before. All of these different ways that children were being attacked. So I set out to figure out, okay, is this a concerted effort or is my perception warped? Uh, and why is the concerted effort happening now? And it turns out that it, the answer to that question is less of a why and more of a who is behind it. So what I do in the book is I name the names of the specific people who are behind the attack on America's children. Really, it, the attack itself is not new. I mean, the left has been trying to re-engineer our society for probably a century now. And unfortunately, they've, they've been pretty successful at doing it because they've captured various institutions. I say in the book that they've captured four out of five of the major foundational cultural institutions in our country. And this is very obvious to people listening. They've captured the media. They've captured the education system. They've captured a lot of religious institutions. They've captured a lot of our legal system. And they're just just about ready to destroy the nuclear family. You could argue that there's one element of the family that is left standing, that being children. 
which maybe explains why the left has their sights set on children. Um, so I not only name the names of the people behind the attack on children, I name the, the names and the organizations that are behind the capture of our institutions. And then, Lisa, I offer a solution that I will tell you is different than the solution the Republican Party offers for how we can recapture our institutions and therefore protect our children from, from these attacks, which we have to do, not only for the sake of their individual souls, but because the future of our country demands it. Well, and that's really, you know, why the left goes after children because, you know, they realize that if you can indoctrinate the children that you you control the future of a country. Get into some of the groups. You don't have to get into everything. I, w- I want to leave a little bit of a cliffhanger so people go out and want to buy the book. But, you know, get into some of the groups. You know, what should people know? Yeah. So one of the most interesting, one of the most interesting parts or one of the chapters that I liked the best while writing the book is the chapter on the word woke. There's been this debate over the word woke. What does it mean? How do you define it? Especially among conservatives over the past six months or so. And I trace the word woke back to its origins. Its origin, it was, it was coined, this idea of wokeness was coined by a Brazilian Marxist named Paulo Freire, who contended that there's no such thing as objective truth, that what we consider to be truth or knowledge is really just the prevailing political narrative. So he contended that in the education system, teachers shouldn't teach children facts and knowledge. They should teach children what he called critical consciousness, which is a way to think. It is what he really meant. Critical consciousness is looking at the world through the lens of Marxism. And if you look at exactly how he taught children in Brazilian schools, taught them critical consciousness, taught them to look at the world through this Marxist worldview, it is wokeness. And this critical consciousness exists in the United States today um, called critical pedagogy. Critical pedagogy is taught in American public schools everywhere, in your own neighborhood, where your child goes to school. It is hidden in social emotional learning, which parents know is a very tricky, vague, convoluted um, concept. It's not really a subject matter. It's disguised as values education, like this is how you teach children what's right and wrong. But the values that social emotional learning embrace are the values of critical consciousness from Paulo Freire, which is just a Marxist worldview. It's, it, it sounds unbelievable, but once you see it laid out, it's impossible to unsee it. You know, Liz, I, I think one thing that really hurts my heart with all of this is they're stealing the innocence of children. It's awful. The hardest chapter in my book to write was the chapter on um, queer theory. So the transgender ideology, the trans nonsense that we hear all the time, that a girl can be a boy if if she wants to be a boy, can be a girl if he identifies as one, that stuff is not just a random assortment of nonsense, right? The gender spectrum or the fa- or the, this contention that gender is not correlated to your biological sex. This is not just ridiculous nonsense that all came together. These are the tenets of queer theory, just like the the racial stuff that was taught in schools a, a couple of years ago. It is still to a certain extent, but parents have fought back against it. But the idea that white children are inherently racist because they're white and black children are inherently oppressed because they're black, that also was, that's the outgrowth of the foundational critical race theory that, that underpins it. And the transgender ideology is the same way. It is the outgrowth of the foundational queer theory that underpins it. Queer theory, like critical race theory, is a Marxist theory. And I read the founding document of queer theory to fully understand what it is and what's it, what it's trying to achieve. And Lisa, I got to tell you, I have never been more disturbed in my entire life. I had to get up from my computer, step away from my desk and like 
walk around, walk around the house because it is so disturbing to see these self-avowed Marxists who write this stuff talk about how their goal is to sexualize children. The founder, the, the woman that wrote the founding document of queer theory openly advocates for child pornography. She openly defends pedophilia. Like this is what, this is the outgrowth of the transgender ideology. This is what they want to destabilize the nuclear family by alienating children from their parents to capture them for Marxism. And like I said, I know some of this stuff, viewers and listeners might say, wow, that sounds really extreme. Yes, it is very extreme. And it is, it's so extreme. They count on us not catching on or not believing it's what they're doing. But that's why I wrote this book. I put together all of this research, all of these back sources that prove exactly what's going on um, when it comes to whether it's queer theory, critical race theory, whether it's homeschooling, technocracy, all these different areas that are um, being leveraged to attack children. And listen, if we don't understand the reality of the enemy that we are facing, the political enemy that we are facing, then we won't be able to fight back well against it and we won't win and I really want to win. So this book is also uh, a labor of love because the Republican Party needs to be critiqued. We need to reorient how we're fighting back against these, um, these attacks on our country because we haven't been very effective in playing defense against these attacks for the last 50 years. And it's time for us to regroup. Very well said and such an important book, a, a really pivotal moment in history. So I'm so glad that you did the work to put it out there for people. You know, I wanted to ask you, you know, you look at students, you know, let's take students heading to college, you know, these younger generations, they've already basically gone through a cycle of indoctrination in, you know, K through 12. And what do you do about the students who have already been in indoctrinated? You know, how do you reach them? How do you change their minds? Or, or is it too late? I know that's the million dollar question. I, I have a two and a half year old daughter and my husband and I have discussed what we're going to do about education for her and what higher education will even look like in 15 years when she's ready to go off to college. And my views on whether I would feel comfortable sending my child to college have changed in the last five years. Five years ago, I would have been like, yeah, of course, we just equip her well with the talking points and, you know, of the right and, and train her in how to discern right from wrong and teach her good values and she'll be fine. And now I don't think that I would be comfortable sending my child to college because it is such a pit of snakes waiting to insert their venom into her. I, I don't know what I would do. Um, I don't want to write off any young person that's been indoctrinated. I believe in redemption. I believe in conversion. I believe in change of heart and mind. But it is hard to change someone's mind who's been completely indoctrinated, which is why it's so important to prevent that indoctrination, to prevent that capture from happening in the first place. That is something that's more realistic for the Republican Party to do on a large scale basis versus changing the mind of every single committed a uh, revolutionary young person who has already been captured by the left. And I say this again, I'm not trying to dismiss these people. I'm not saying it's that they're not worth fighting for. They certainly are, but that might be best left for families and churches and communities while we shore up the institutions that indoctrinated them in the first place to prevent it from ever happening again. Yeah. It's like, we think things are crazy now. Uh, and then you look at the, the incoming, you know, generations uh, who are going to be out in the workforce and are going to be the future leaders and they're way worse. So uh, important to, to try to recapture these institutions to your point. And so the book is out in September, Hide Your Children. Uh, Liz, you're awesome. Anything else you want to leave us with? 
Oh, I appreciate it so much. You can find the book at hideyourchildrenbook.com. That's hideyourchildrenbook.com. Um, like I said, I'm proud of the whole book. I'm particularly proud of the second half of the book. It is, it's kind of a critique of the Republican Party. It's a, I, I'm challenging conservatives and Republicans to think about issues in a different way than the Republican Party has taught us to think about it in the last 50 years. So I'm very excited, slightly, I feel a slight bit of trepidation about how it's going to be received, but I can't wait to hear what people think because I, it, it's not going to be easy to recapture our institutions, to take back our country. I don't think that it's simply downstream of us properly ordering our personal lives or our family lives. We do need to use the power of government to do it. So I'm very interested to hear uh, everyone's thoughts once you, once you read that second half of the book. You can go to hideyourchildrenbook.com and get your copy today. Well, we'll have to have you come back on after the book is out and then we can we, we can reassess it and talk about, uh, you know, the reaction. But it, it's an important book. I have no doubt that it's going to be amazing. And I know it's going to be huge success. I appreciate you taking the time. You're a friend and proud of you. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. That was Liz Wheeler, host of The Liz Wheeler Show, author of the new book, Hide Your Children. Uh, really interesting conversation. I'm glad she wrote this book. It, it sounds like it is very much needed. Proud of her. Appreciate her taking the time. I want to thank you guys at home for listening every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting the show together as always. Until next time. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.